This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You know, so true, and we say that all the time, but the, the statement, by the help of God. We can do nothing if it wasn't for the help of God. Not a thing. We can't even come into the kingdom without the help of God. You know, the Bible says we, we, we get up by the mercies of God. Everything we do is by the help of God. So why should we say that we cannot do the will of God? If it is, the Bible says it's, in, it's Him that works in us and through us. In us. It is Him working in us and through us to do, do His will. It's His. It's Him that's working in us. It's Him that's working through us. All we have to do is surrender to Him. You know, I don't care what religion you believe. And I'm talking about people outside of the Church of Living Water. I don't care what religion you are or where you come from. You know, that is, that is all man-made stuff. What God is doing, He said, I want a personal relationship with you and I'm going, to, I'm going to establish it through Jesus Christ. If you come through my Son, I'm going to reveal myself to you. I don't care what type of education you have. I don't care where you come from. God wants to reveal Himself to you. And you have to understand that, that it's beyond. And you may think, you know, oh, I can, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. And that is the truth. God is everywhere. There's nowhere you can go that God will not be. God cannot see. You know, God knows all. God knows. But the thing is, there is a place God has ordained for you to know Him. There is a place that God has ordained for you to draw near to Him. There is a place that God has ordained for you to be set free and hear the Word of God. There's a place. You don't hear the Word. You, you say, well, I don't need to go to church. I, I'm going to tell you something. You can say that all you want to, and you will always live defeated. You will never fulfill the purpose of God. You will never come to the knowledge of what God has for you without the local church. And that's one of the truths that we're going to talk about. I want you to go, first and foremost, we're going to go to the book of Zechariah. And I'm really going to try to pace myself because I really want to get towards the end of this message because Zechariah is the end of this message. Zechariah and, and the book of Second Timothy. But I want to share some things. So let's go to the book of Zechariah. Let me get there because I am not there and I should have already had it placed. But I wasn't planning on going there first. But let's go to the book of Zechariah. Chapter 4. Are we there? And I do have my ribbon there. I'm not sure why I didn't just get there. Zechariah chapter 4, and we're going to read the verse, first six verses. And this is pretty much the just, the, 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 the power behind our messaging. You know, it's the Spirit of God. And in the, in the Bible said in the verse 1 of Zechariah chapter 4, Zechariah in the Old Testament, just a few books before the book of Matthew, it says in the angel, verse 1, And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold a candlestick, all of gold, with a bow upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes of the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bow, and the other upon the left side of the bow thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, 
nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Who art thou, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shouting, saying, crying, Grace, grace unto it. We're going to stop there. We're going to read more about it later. We're going to stop there. You know, you know, our victory is in Christ Jesus and everything that He has made available for us. It's all made available for us. We have access to everything that God has made before, available for us through the Spirit of God. So I want you to go and we're going to rest in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 and I'm going to make some statements. So, the reason this teaching, and, and, I, and, I, and I want to explain that the reason this teaching, and, it comes, and it's going to line up with what Next Gen talked about for the last two months about your, your commitment to your local church and, and how, where, why do you value, what is your value in the local church, why should you value your local church. All of those things are going to come up. But, you know, it was really birthed out of somebody when I heard, you know, a family member talking about, you know, that we don't need a local church or we don't need and there's no reason for it. And I have the Bible and, and you know, they were talking about, I, I, I can, all I have to do is read the Bible and that's all I need in my relationship with God. And, uh, and then I started looking into, you know, and of course, not every one of these people are Christians, but I started looking into polls. And you know that years back, up to, up to about maybe four or five years ago, maybe, maybe even sooner, the, the attendance in churches were like in their 70% in America. They would attend churches. It actually, in the last two twenty twenty, it went down to 40-something percent, to 50%. And not all of those, and they, and they explained it to, of course, you have the COVID-19, you have uh, different issues, but one of the things they were saying that more Americans are preferring uh, not to have a religious affiliation. But, you know, one of the, one of the polls, one of the uh, polls that I heard of, this brother was talking about, he said that around 40-something percent of people have this mentality that I can establish a relationship with God outside of a local church, that I don't have to go to a local church. And I thought, that is amazing. 40-something percent, and some of those people could have actually have accepted the Lord Jesus could have actually given their life to Christ at one time in their life. Could have. I'm not saying that none of, I'm, I, I, I would be foolish to think that every one of them was born again because that's just downright foolish. But still, this is a detrimental thing for people. And, as if it, and it is actually for this ministry, for this, for this reason, you have to know how to answer. You need to know what to tell people. You need to know your doctrine. Because during this season, you could have come to a place where, you know, it's just, it's so, it's so easy not to watch it. Not to watch my service now. It's so easy because I can watch it later. Which, tell you the truth, a lot of times if you don't watch it then, you're not watching it later. Because if you're busy during the time that you had set aside for God in the past, what makes you think that you're not going to be busy in other times of your life? You're going to be busy and the devil is going to make sure you're busy. Busy is just a part of living. We are all busy. Every single one of us are busy in some form or fashion. We're busy. But the thing about it is, that is, that is a detrimental, not only in this aspect, it's detrimental for them and it's detrimental for their children and for the people that will follow them afterwards. It's just detrimental. That teaching, because they're, they're going, that, that kind of teaching... Is not, it's not just for them. It's so interesting that they say, I don't need a man, but they want to teach other people that doctrine. 
You know, it's so interesting that I don't need a man to teach me, but I'm going to teach somebody else this doctrine. You know, so it's like, no, so you are publishing what you believe and you're just declaring what the Word of God says, that you can't do or learn anything without another man. You just, you're not going to be able to do it. God does nothing for a man without a connection with another man. He just does not do it. He will never do it. That's not God's methodology. He will never do that. He's always done that from the beginning of Genesis. He's always used a man. And he'll continue using a man. And think about it. The whole, the whole concept of Christ Jesus putting on flesh declares to you that God is going to use a man. He's, you know, why didn't he just, why didn't he just do everything himself and just not, he, why did he have to come in a, in a, in a human body? Because he had to represent mankind. He was going to show an order that men were going to follow. And this is a, a declared order. That's why I don't care what kind of religion you're from. You know, if you're not in that order, you're out of the will of God. You're not following God. You're not in God's will. So, First John chapter, chapter 2. First John chapter 2. We're going to start at verse... No, we're going to read those two scriptures. Verse 20. And verse 27. But the unction, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. So that's scripture alone. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. And verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in Him. I want you to hold on to those scriptures, because those are the scriptures that people use at times. So you see, the scripture tells me plainly, he says in verse 27, But the anointing which you have received of Him, and I've received the anointing, the anointing is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. You have received the, the Holy Spirit, and it abideth in me, and I don't need any man to teach me, but the same anointing teaches me all things and it's true and it is no lie. So I'm going to abide in him. So all I need is my Bible. Because the Holy Spirit is in me and he's going to teach me. And that's the thing. And I want to declare some things. Where does our doctrine come from? I want you to, to listen to what I'm... And I'm, when, I'm, when I'm referring to the doctrine of the apostles, I'm actually going to be saying the doctrine of God. Because it is God's doctrine. It is not necessary. It is the doctrine of the apostles that we follow. But... The very beginning of this, it's the doctrine of God. So when I say the doctrine of God, I'm referring to the doctrine of the apostles. It's not a different doctrine. It's the doctrine of the, the apostles, but I'm declaring it as the doctrine of God. It comes from the earth, comes to the earth from God the Father. By His Son, the Anointed One, Christ Jesus, and through His Spirit upon mankind, which is the apostles, and then through mankind. That's our doctrine. I want you to write down John chapter 7, verse 14 through 17. And we'll probably go that to later. But it says, my doctrine comes from my Father. Jesus Christ declared it plainly. And I want you to read it because he played it plainly. My doctrine comes from my Father. And he said, you're going to know my doctrine. He said, and he talks about how to know his doctrine. But when you read those, he plainly tells you, my doctrine comes from my Father. And my objectives... My goal to this teaching. And I want you to write these, these goals and objectives. And, uh, and then we're going to run. And I want to get you to write a few more statements. But I want you to write these objectives. This is to ignite in you a greater love for the doctrine of God. I'm going to tell you this much, people. The doctrine of God 
the Holy Spirit is all about the doctrine of God. He doesn't work outside of it. Our power, the reason why we're going to succeed in ministry is because of the doctrine that we hold on to. That's plain and dry. Nothing else. Because the Holy Spirit is nothing, is all about the doctrine. He's not about nothing else. He's not going to share nothing else with you. He doesn't share anything outside of the doctrine with you, but the actual Word of God. So it is to ignite in you a greater love for the doctrine of God, which is the doctrine of the apostles, resulting in a greater love for your local church, the place where His name is found. So, it's going to, I want to ignite in you a greater love for the doctrine of God, which is going to result in a greater love for your local church. Because through this, through this month, you're going to see what this church actually just holds on to dearly. That's what you're going to see. And you're going to be able to actually appreciate it. And for those that are, you know, seeing us, you're going to say, you know what? I want to be a part of that ministry. This is what we believe. This is what we hold on dear to. And I really, I started thinking about this. And I don't want to get off. But I started thinking, I'm, I've ministered pastors appreciation months for years. And I've been in this ministry going on 29 years. And I'm like, that is a lot of years. That's a bunch of years. And it went by like that. From my 20s to my 30s to my 40s, it just went back like that. Now I'm in my 50s. And it just went by fast. But the doctrine has never changed. And when I came to this ministry, I want to share this with Next Gen, and I will get on to my next, next objective, but my next goal. But when I listen to you, and I hear you, and all those things are great and fine and dandy. You know, you do, you do uh, love your ministry because, because uh, the love that they're sharing, because the love comes from the love of Christ. The, the attention they are putting towards you, the time you spent with elders, this, this and that. But you know, other religions do the same thing. They spend time with their people. They go out and help their people. They go out and, and, and comfort their people. They go out and do all of those things. But what makes us different? What makes us different is exactly what Peter told Jesus. He said, do you want to go? You can go too. He said, where else am I going to go to? You have the words of eternal life. That is the only thing that keeps you. You've got you, you, you to you gotta fall in love with the doctrine because there's going to come times that those things are not just, they're just going to rub, some things may rub you the wrong way. But if you fall in love, it's just like Mary and Martha. Mary Martha was caught up in ministry. She was caught up in serving. She was faithful in serving. But when, Mary, when she saw Mary not helping her, she kind of grew offended with Mary and said, Jesus, you know, tell this woman to help me. And Jesus is like, hey, she has chosen the better place. And that is not going to be taken away from her. And what she chose is to sit at his feet and fall in love with his word. So and that's that's what I'm, you have to know the doctrine and love the doctrine because that's the only thing that's going to keep you because in the times and I start thinking about myself in the times in the years that I've been here 20 something years I didn't come here you know looking for a certain group or looking for certain I just I, my 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 thing is I was searching for God and I found him through his word I found him through his word. I didn't find him through a personality. I didn't find him through certain things that, you know, like I told you in the past, I didn't hang out a lot with my pastor. But everything that he taught me, it just comes up. It comes up and it's like, you know what? I, I don't have a friend. I tell people this all the time. You know, I was sharing with my mom about different things that we were at the park and we saw that some, some uh, a religious group. And I was going to say it. I saw the Mormons. And, uh, and I sat there and, I, and, I, and, and I'm like, you know, Mom, if you weren't with me, I'd go up there and sit down with them. Because I'm not afraid to chat with people 
about. I'm like this. I, I look at this about our ministers. We're just defenders of faith. We are the defenders of faith. That's what we do. We defend the faith. And we have, we have no problem. I have no problem. I, I am, have no problem in getting in a debate with you. I, I really don't. And I'm not afraid, you know, to get in there. And I'm not talking about an argument. I'm talking about a true debate of what I believe and what you believe. You know, even when I was studying and I get outside of my home to study, and I know I get off of this a little bit, but I get outside my home to study a while because, you know, at home I do a lot of work. So I need to get out of my, my home to study. So when I went outside, this person passed me, on, passed me by in a seat I was sitting at and outside somewhere. And she goes, uh, what are you studying? And so what is that? And I'm talking about, what, what version are you studying? And so the King James Version. So she started, let me give you two passages of Scripture. And when she gave them to me, she started explaining, so, no, I know who you are. I know what you're about. You know, so you're going to lay whole, your whole doctrine on these two passages of Scripture and tell me about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is here. And y'all already know who I'm talking about, right? So it's all about the kingdom and what God is doing here. And, different, and even though it is about the kingdom, you know, I'm thinking... And I started sharing with her because she started telling me, and just Ryan, I don't, I don't need, necessarily need people teaching me. So, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about right here. So I started sharing her. It's like, yeah, you need. But, you know, of course, it's, I want to give you what I'm going to give you and I want to run. You know, it's, not, it's not about nothing else because really, they don't even know their doctrine. So my objective, to ignite in you a greater love for the doctrine of God, resulting in a greater value for your local church, the place where his name is found. Objective number two, to awaken in you a greater desire to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a great desire. You have to want to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Because I'm going to tell you this. Reading this on your own and trying to understand it, I promise you, you cannot. You cannot. But you've been given access by the Holy Spirit to have this information in you. And that's what we're going to explain on First John chapter 2. The objective is to metaphor, meta, method, I'm sorry, methodically break down 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 using biblical methods of interpretation, the, interpreting the scriptures. And to expose antichrist teachings that are life-threatening to the members of the body of Christ and are causing those that are without the loss not to see proper the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. They can't see it. Because now you have what you call progressive Christianity. Is a bunch of devilish stuff. And I'll say it boldly. Progressive Christianity is a bunch of devilish stuff. And I'll tell you why. Because you think you can live any way you live and, t- and do anything you want to do. And just because, and the minister has told you, just because I accepted Jesus Christ at one time in my life, I'm fine. I don't care what river you went to be baptized in, sister. You are not born again. You understand? If you, if you actually think you're going to be living a life outside of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. You can't. It's impossible to save. And that's the whole purpose. And we're going to, before I go into 1 John 2, I'm going to establish how the how-to to interpret the scriptures. So, I'm going to share something with you and you may want to write it down. New revelation, and my pastor says it often, new revelation is only new to you. It's not God doing something new. God is not doing anything new. He's doing the same thing He started doing from the very beginning and He hasn't stopped. 
Nothing has interrupted his plan. He's still with the same agenda. It's only new to you because it's come to understanding. But God is not doing something new that just gives you, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to change because God is doing something new in me. God is new, doing nothing new in you in that fashion. So new revelation is only new revelation to you. It's never that God is doing something new. But remember, new revelation, and I really want you to write this down, without the proper doctrinal foundation. New revelation without the proper doctrinal foundation that comes from the Scripture is heresy all the time. It's false teaching all the time. So you, whatever you say the Spirit of God is telling you, without the proper doctrinal foundation, you are in heresy. You are, you are in false teaching. You're not going to get around that. Your so-called revelation or your interpretation of the Scripture that locks this proper doctrinal foundation is your deception. That's what it is. It is your deception which leads to Antichrist doctrines. Antichrist, and we're going to get in. Antichrist is not only a man because John, 1 John tells us there are many Antichrists. It's that which opposes everything that is God. That's what it is. And there's many of those attitudes. And I'm going to tell you, that whole progressive Christianity, that's an Antichrist teaching. Because it is not of God. And I'll say it boldly. Progressive Christianity, the way, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't progress as it pertains to your growth and the things that you do in the kingdom of God. But I'm talking about things that get out of the orthodox teaching of the apostles, of the doctrine of God. You are, in, you are in operating. You're just giving place. You're giving room. You're setting up the stage for the Antichrist. Know that you're a part of his agenda. Because that's what you are. You're a part of the Antichrist agenda. So, what I am going to teach teaching today is the interpretation of the Scriptures. So, when I say, you can say this, that is your interpretation, Minister Rodriguez. But I'm going to show you that it's not my interpretation at all. Because I have no right to interpret this. I do not have a right. And that's why I want to show you. I have no right to interpret the Scriptures based on what I believe God is saying to me. I have no right. Nobody in Christianity has a right to say, this is what I believe God is saying about this. And they, and they give you one scripture. Like, for example, there's not one scripture, passage of scripture that stands by itself. Not one passage of scripture that stands. So he said, okay, Mr. Roy, let's use John chapter 3, verse 16. The whole world knows that. You know, they have it on signs in football, John chapter 3, verse 16. And it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is a truth. Yes, but that scripture cannot stand alone. Because why do I have to believe in Jesus Christ? Who is he? What has he done? And why is he so special that I have to believe in him? The other scriptures will tell me exactly that explains that scripture. You can't use that scripture and say, I have a doctrine. This is my doctrine. You don't have a doctrine if you don't have other scriptures, doctrinally, foundational, doctrinal scriptures that back that up. That's the way you interpret a scripture. You do not interpret a scripture. Don't ever use a scripture like, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. So I'll ask you, do you know everything? You don't know nothing like that. You don't know everything. So, it's, but I have an, but, but the anointing which, which abideth in, which, which given to me, dwelleth in me, and I need no man to teach me. You cannot use that scripture by yourself and say, I have a doctrine that belongs to God. You do not have a doctrine. You have an idea that's anti-Christ. That's what you have. It's not, not for Christ. Because, and I'll share this, I'll throw a little bit out there. See, that is a truth. But the anointing which abideth in you 
It's there. He have, you have an anointing. You have the Holy Spirit that abides in you. And He teaches you all things. And that is truth. And there's no lie. And you, want, and you need to continue in Him. All of that is true. But that only reveals a certain work of the Holy Ghost. That scripture reveals a work. It doesn't reveal the operations of the Holy Spirit. See, now you, you've got, okay, that's His work. And you want to stop there. But you figure, but the Holy Spirit says, but I want to operate. And I can only operate through a man. And that's how the Holy Spirit... He does, you can say whatever you want to say, but I promise you that your doctrine is messed up because you believe that you don't need a man to teach you. Okay, so let's continue to going. It's hard for people to follow sometimes that because it's not until you... I'm going to be honest with you. It's not until you really start studying the Scriptures and start looking into it that you realize how much time it takes to study the Scriptures. You cannot... That's why I'm saying I'm amazed that pastors that want to get up on their Sunday morning and go into their office 30 an hour, 30 minutes before and prepare a message for their congregation. He needs to be fired. He needs to, he needs to, he needs to find somebody... or some, they, That church needs a person called of God. Because a person called of God has been taught... Somebody's hands have been on that person. That person has shown something in their life to show them that they are worthy to hear the message of God, worthy to grab it. And I'm not talking about worthiness in themselves. It's because of the time they spent, the effort, the, the, the going after God, the struggles, and they continue because there's power in continuation. There's a great power. In God blesses continuation. Even when you're struggling, even when you're, you cannot, you think that, you know what, this is, I'm like, what's going on? The continuation shows that God is with you. You going forward because you're not giving up. So we're going we're gonna to interpret. So do not say, do not go from here this day and say that brother interpreted, this is his interpretation. Because he didn't interpret nothing. He allowed the Bible to interpret itself. That's exactly so. Exactly what I'm going to do. So I'm going to give you. I can't give you my own interpretation of First John chapter one verse twenty. Saying I'm going to give you the scriptures. Interpret itself. They're going to interpret itself. So let's go back to First John chapter two. So let's talk about it. Let's interpret it in this fashion. We need to find out why the book of First John was written. So. If you look at it, you cannot take you. And I, and I didn't make this statement, but not only do I have to use scriptures to back up scriptures, I have to make sure that that one scripture that I use to back up that other scripture is not taken out of the context of what the writer is saying at that time. So I can't take that scripture out of context, and that's exactly what happened here. Somebody took a scripture out of context. So we're going to start off. And we're going to tell you why the epistle was written. It was rendered to counteract a dangerous heresy that was threatening the fellowship of the Asian churches. So there was a dangerous heresy that was threatening the churches. And it was written around the first century, around the 90s AD. And, uh, and this, this, this heresy was uh, apparently, it says, it 
Apparently it was a form of Gnosticism. I, I laugh at Gnosticism because one time our pastor, founding pastor, during our, and I will show you the difference between perfecting class, between a ministry class and, 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 uh, and, the, and when you're being in the laity and you ask this question. When we asked the question to pastor, he used the word Gnosticism one time. I was like, what is Gnosticism? You know what he told me? Do you think my pastor explained it to me? Or taught it to me from here? He goes, go look it up. Go search it. Go search it out. And you know what? That man of God, you know, when I'd come back the next time, he would ask probably, what did you find out in front of everybody? Because he wanted to make sure you were going to look it up yourself. Because that is showing pursuit of what you want and what you desire. You know, you're just not going to, you have to go after the things of God. But I asked that question, what is Gnosticism? You're going to have to go look it up. You know, but the laity... They give it to them in parables. And because somebody actually explained, somebody actually studied it and read it. I'm not saying that because Church of the Living Water folks are sharp. And you've got to believe that. If you meet people from Church of the Living Water, they are some sharp folks. They understand. They will minister to you even as a minister. You know, they're going to minister to you because you're a part of that laity and they understand the doctrine. So the epistle was written to counteract a dangerous heresy that was threatening the fellowship of the ancient churches. Apparently it was a form of Gnosticism. Among other things, the heretic taught, this is what they taught, that righteous, righteousness is not an imperative duty of the Christian life. It's not, an imperative, it's not absolutely necessary. It's righteousness is not... A, does that sound like progressive Christianity? That sounds like a progressive Christian. But this whole book was written for you because of you, because of attitudes like that. It taught, and that's why First John talks to, it starts talking about if you, if you walk in the light as he is in the light you have fellowship with your brother in the blood of Jesus Christ his son and then it talks about how can you say that you're in the light and walk in darkness and, you, and hate your brother you're walking in darkness even until now because you're not walking in the light it talks about how you live he addresses how you live from the very beginning because these people were saying that righteousness is not an imperative duty of the Christian life it's not absolutely necessary and they also taught that Jesus Christ is not God incarnate. That is powerful. And I will explain to you why. Because to say that Jesus Christ is God, not God incarnate, and we'll explain it to you a little bit when we get into it, about Antichrist, just shortly. But to say that Jesus Christ is not God incarnate is saying that He doesn't represent God, the Father. That He is not, not a representative, that He is not the representative of God the Father. That all his doctrine came from the Father. That he did nothing. Jesus said this, I do nothing of my own. That which I have heard, I say to you. He said, I do nothing of my own. He said, I don't seek my own glory. He said, everything I do, the Father sent me to do. He, everything that he did was the Father's doctrine. So Gnosticism, I want you to write this down, and, and, you'll, and you'll understand why I'm giving it to you, is a collection of religious ideas or systems which originated in the first century A.D. among Jewish and Christian sects. The various groups emphasized personal spiritual knowledge above orthodox teachings, traditions, and, of tradi and an authority of traditional inst uh, religious institutions. So I'm going to read that again. Gnosticism, the various groups of Gnosticism emphasized personal spiritual growth. That's what they emphasize. Above the orthodox teachings, traditions, and authority of traditional religious systems so, or institutions. The whole thing about the book 
If you start reading in that fashion, you and, I, and, and even when you go back and read First John, when you read it with that understanding alone, gives you a better idea of why, why John wrote what he wrote. Because it was threatening that that thing was threatening this church at a, the churches at Asia, and he was writing to them to let them know, you know what, these things are going to come against you. But then he gives them the actual remedy for false teachings within the whole scripture. Verse 18, let's start there. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Little children. No, let's start off, let's start off into, let's start on verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you know you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Verse 18, Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. I like that. They would have no doubt continued with us. And who's writing this? This isn't an apostle. And he's talking about the doctrine of the apostles. If they had been of us, they were, they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out. That they might be made manifest that they, that they were not all of us. But, you know that but? You, you, when you read, see the word but, you know that it's not by itself, the scripture. Something, a conversation is going on for somebody to say, but. But, the, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son, the same hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. Something that you heard from the beginning, you have to abide in. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things, he's still in the same conversation, talking about false teachers about Antichrist teachings. He says, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you or would try to lead you astray. But the anointing. But the anointing. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you and ye need not any man teach you but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is true and is no lie even as it has taught you you shall abide in him. That is beautiful when you use a scripture in the context that it's written up and not out of that context. Let me explain to you a little bit about the, this word anointing. It's interesting. It's so beautiful. It means assignment, particular task. That's what it means. An assignment, particular task. And 
Who has our assignment? Who has our particular task? If it is not the Holy Ghost. What did the Spirit of God, and I want you to write these scriptures, we're not going to go to all of them, but I want you to write these scriptures down. John chapter 14, verse 25 through 26. And I'm going to give you a just of what he's saying. John chapter, chapter 14, 25 and 26. We are going to go to some, some of them. We have to. John chapter 14. Let's go to John. Let's see which one I want to go to. Because I'm just going to give it to you. I think my pastor said this the other day. So you, you give a scripture saying to go back to reading and people don't go back and read it. So we're going to give you. We're going to go, we're going to go there together. Together. Yes, we are. John chapter 16. See, that's the scripture I want to use. This is chapter 16, chapter verse 12. I have yet, this is Jesus talking. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit He, the Spirit of truth, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you to all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever ye shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, and he shall, for He shall receive of Mine, and will show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are Mine, therefore I said, He that He shall take of Mine, and show it unto you. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This one's beautiful. We're going to use this and I want to read quite a bit of scriptures in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And some of this is going to back up as it pertains to, you may still say, well, you see, that's what it's saying. But let me finish what I'm saying. Let me finish what I'm saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's start at verse 1 and I'll see how far I'm going to read. Still got some time here. Verse 2, chapter 2, First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the prince of this world, that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world again, before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. You know, I, I, I enjoy this because when we talk about the agenda, the agenda of the Holy Spirit says He's going to bring things to your remembrance. 
those things that I that have been told that I have taught you. See, using that scripture alone, and I made mention of this, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bring it up now. Using that scripture alone demonstrates a working of the Holy Spirit. That's how He works. He is the one that teaches you. But you cannot leave out, once again, how the Holy Ghost is going to operate. So this is the operations of the Holy Spirit. And you see it all here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, I didn't come to you with my speech when preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Verse 13. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So, am I necessarily your teacher? Not necessarily your teacher. The Holy Spirit works, operates in me, ministers to you, and brings understanding of what is being taught. He is the ultimate power of God. You know, so, so I study the Word, the Holy Spirit gives me understanding. And if I start teaching a false doctrine and I give it to you, the same Holy Spirit in you that teaches you discerns that that is false. It's the Holy Spirit working in you learning and the Holy Ghost working in me teaching. I cannot, that's why he says, he says, but the natural man, verse 14, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that spiritual, I'm going to stop there. It says we compare, verse 13, we compare spiritual things with spiritual. So I'm just going off what I spend time with God, pray, seek the Lord, and ask God to minister to me. And I start studying the scriptures and I use other scriptures to back up that scripture. And another, which I'm going to use in a little bit, other scriptures to back up this scripture. And then I say... I teach it and the Holy Spirit is at work when He gives it to me and the Holy Spirit is at work when He gives it to you. So who deserves the glory? It's not man's wisdom. So Paul said it this way. So you're going to have to tell me, uh, people that tell me and uh, family members that tell me that I don't need a local church, that I don't need those things. I, I, and I'm going to ask you, so you're using that one scripture. So what are you going to do with Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 17? What are you going to do with that scripture that tells us, and I am going to read it, and that's probably going to be the only one that I'm going to read, but I'm going to give you a few more scriptures because these people, they tell you this thing, and I want you to read Romans chapter 10, verse 1 through 17. I want you to write these things down, and we're going to talk about the other ones too. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which we read 1 through 14, chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14 through 17, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, Titus 1, 1 through 5, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 14, 1 through 4, and then Revelations, and we'll talk about all of those. A little bit. But Romans chapter 10. Let's go there. And we'll make that one. One of those scriptures that we're going to read. Romans chapter 10. So you're going to have to tell me. What about these other scriptures that declare. That God does nothing without a man. What are you going to do with them? Do you just leave them out of the scripture? I really believe. That people that do that. They don't study the scriptures. They, they, study, they study to make a point. What is it? What I mean by that? They study to drive their point home, not to find truth. And, and that is dangerous. 
when you're trying just to pick, nitpick after scripture just to prove your point. What about this scripture? That's what a certain religion does. Certain, certain religions do that. They grab a scripture and say, we're going to base our whole doctrine off this one scripture. You know, that, that, it's amazing that people can get in trouble by doing that. But verse, verse 6, it says, but the righteousness of God, now we're going to have to read it all. Chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they, that they might be saved. For I bear rec- them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. That is so true of so many people. They have a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in your heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? Read that. says, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring him up Christ again from the dead. But what does it say? What saith it? The word is nigh thee, near you, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So someone's preaching this word. That if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call Listen closely. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So I ask you again, what are you going to do about these things? What are you going to do about Paul, Timothy and Titus? What are you going to do about Paul that went about preaching and established and called for the elders in the book of Acts, called for the elders and he said, you feed the flock of God. You feed them. He goes, did they have the scriptures? And, you may, and, I, and I'm going to read that. See, I'm, going to, I'm going to come back to it. They didn't have the scriptures back then. It wasn't written. No, let, let, let's, let's, let's stay here. So what are you going to do with, with uh, Titus and Timothy when he goes, I, I've sent you to ordain elders. I've sent you to do, I've sent, uh, pre- Timothy preached the word. Be instant in and out of seasons. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. What are you going to do with all these scriptures that declare that a man is preaching the gospel? What are you going to do with the book of Revelation where he tells in the verse, verse three, first three chapters, it says, now unto the angel, he's talking about a messenger. He's not talking about an angel that showed up in this church and started reading this letter to this church. He's talking about a messenger. Now unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now unto the angel of the church of Sarna. Now unto the angel of the church of Philippi. And now, on uh, uh, all these churches, he starts going into, and they started declaring this message to their congregation. So you're saying they didn't have the scriptures. He stopped. Now, you prove that, you're going to have to show me where he stopped. Show me where God stopped doing that. See, remember, we're founded, and I want you to go to Ephesians. This one I will give you. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go there.
I want to tell you something about the ministers here. Each and every one of them, they love doctrine. They enjoy doctrine because they, they've been taught doctrine. I mean, we've been taught doctrine well, and that's the reason why we just stand on doctrine. We say, you know, we have to stand on the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse, start at verse 18. Now, for through Him, we talk about the Holy Spirit, we both have access, by, you know, for through Him, Jesus Christ, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles. You're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, do I remove a foundation to build upon? Or do I keep a foundation to build upon? So why in the world should God say, I'm not doing any of that anymore. I've got the scriptures. Learn on your own. Go, boy. Go learn on your own. Go learn. Go learn on your own. You, you don't need this. You learn on your own. And, and the thing about it, you just don't see that you contradict yourself because you go around. And I, and I, and I, I would say this much. Okay. So you don't, we don't need nothing but a Bible. Stop teaching your children about God. Give them a Bible. Stop teaching everybody. Stop telling people about Jesus Christ on the internet, on social media. Stop telling them about it because they don't need you. All they need is a Bible. We're based on words, people. Communication is necessary. It's ne you cannot go around. That is anti-Christ teaching. That, you know why it's anti-Christ teaching? And you might say, see, anti-Christ teaching is knowingly or unknowingly opposing the doctrine of God. Knowingly or unknowingly. You may, you may be very sincere, and I believe some people, I believe certain people are Christians and accepted Jesus, but they have other issues. Maybe the church has hurt them. Maybe something has happened. I'm not downing you. I'm not downing you. But you cannot. It's like you're throwing out, with, with, there's that saying, I'm going to throw out the baby with, uh, throwing, uh, with the bath water. You know, you're throwing out, it's like, because one church messes up or somebody messes up in the body of Christ, which they, they should be an example. The elders should be an example for you. They should be somebody that they can go to. Like you hear all now about this, you know, this, uh, this mega church and what they were doing behind the scenes with people, you know, the sexual things and getting out. Of, and that, those things happen. But I will tell you this much. If you look into their doctrine, you will find error. You will find error in their doctrine because the doc, those certain things just have to be in place for an elder, and it tells you what an elder should be and what an elder should not be. It tells you what they what their qualifications are and what they're not. Most of the time, progressive Christianity, people that are caught up in progressive Christianity, they think they can do whatever they do, and Jesus got our back. You know, Jesus got our back. We, 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 we depend on Jesus. He's got our back. We can do whatever. We, and you know, you have this mentality that I don't got a church. Church is what we make it. Church, church is not what you made it. Church is what Jesus Christ laid. The apostles founded. The, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That is the church. You're not going to be able to get out of that. You can do it all you want. And you're gonna, all you're going to have is your interpretation and your deception. That's all you're going to have. You're not going to have the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to continue going. So tell me when it passed away if you can. You cannot. 
So let's go back to this first first uh, John chapter two. While we're person in groups, let's talk about the anointing, and, then, and and this is where I wanted to get to. But let's talk about the anointing. What is the scripture actually saying? Because it's beautiful. Because now I want to minister this this congregation specifically about the anointing and what God is doing in our lives and what God has been doing in our lives from the beginning. From the moment that you came to Church of the Living Water, it's been the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what we trust in. We trust that the Spirit of God, because we preach the doctrine that He's all in and because we want to stay there, it's like, oh, I'm Lord in that place. So I will minister to those, those folks in that place. And then we're going to let God do what He's going to do in our lives. But persons are things that were anointing. The anointing are anointed. Persons are things that were anointed in the Old Testament, signified holiness and separation unto God. And this is going to get good to me. Fundamentally, the anointing was an act of God. Fundamentally, it was an act of God. And the word anointed was used metaphorically to mean the bestowal of divine favor. It was the bestowal of divine favor. That's what it meant. And it also, fundamentally, it meant appointment to a special place or function in the purpose of God. It's an appointment to a special place or function in the purpose of God. Furthermore, and this is what I really want you to focus on. Furthermore, the anointing symbolized equipment for service. And it's associated with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. The anointing. It's, it signifies, or said, it anointing symbolized equipment for service and is associated. So, let's go back to the scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. But the anointing. Which you have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. So, the anointing symbolizes equipment for service, and I want to say it this way you're equipped for service. Okay? So, when you receive Jesus Christ, and this is the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, have you know, I mean, I was around the scriptures at an early age. I was made to go to church from seven, eight years old, singing at seven or eight years old, nine, ten years old, singing, doing certain things, and being around the facility of the church and seeing different things and hearing different things and seeing how people worship. I saw a lot, all those things. But I didn't know Jesus. And I didn't want Jesus. Not me. I wanted to do something different. So I just, I hated going to church at teenage years. Just like, you're going to have to, and I hated certain people in the church because I knew they were, they were on me about certain things. And, you know, I didn't understand it. I didn't. But when I asked Jesus into my heart, when He came into my heart and I opened the Scriptures, I understood what He was telling me. So, the Holy Spirit was now in me and He gave me access. Okay, I'm going to read it how I put it. You have been equipped with the Holy Spirit to give you access to the services of God and to function in the services of God. Okay, you have been equipped with the Holy Spirit to give you access to the services of God and to function in the services of God. So, First John chapter 2, verse 27, that's part of the services of the Holy Spirit. 
It's servicing you understand what is not of God and what is of God. I looked at it this way. The Holy Ghost is the ultimate download. And, 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 and I mean it this way. And I can only explain it this way. And I don't have, I'm not a tech guy, IT, I don't understand a lot. But I work from home. And I want to show you what I, the illustration I'm going to give you about this scripture. I work from home. And in order to have access to my home office, I need a VPN access. A virtual private network. And in order to have a virtual private network, I need something, an app downloaded into my computer. And then a code that gives me access to everything that's in my home office. All the conversations, all the information that I need that's available for me, it's tunneled and it's kept private and nobody can mess with. Now, men can get around that. But what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit has been downloaded in you and it gives you access to understand things from the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all working together as one. He's ministering to you. I have access. That's a service of God that He's provided for us. We have that. But in that, in that, in that, you know, there is no room because right here, the anointing, there's no room for somebody to try to get in, try to, to when the Holy Spirit is there, you is like, you know what? That is not of God. That is not of God. Because the Holy Spirit is teaching you. That's what that scripture is about. But once again, I told you, that's only the, that's a, a service that God is providing you right here in First John chapter 2, verse 27 and verse 20. The unction that you have received of Him. And you know, you have the capability of having all the information. So you're capable of having all that information. Doesn't mean you have it. But you're capable of having all the information that's available by the Spirit of God. Because it's not natural. It's given to you spiritually. But we go down to the operations in chapter 12 of Romans. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. Ephesians says it this way. When he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. And he gave some apostles. And some prophets, our foundation. And some evangelists. And some pastor teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. So we all come to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man. You know, all those things speak of the operations and how the Holy... See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just provide you service. He wants to operate through you. That's the operations of the Holy Ghost. So you cannot just say, I'm going to use this scripture. He wants to operate through men. And when you do that, you're leaving yourself out of the operations. You're saying, I'm alone. I don't need nobody to operate through me. And I'm telling you, you are out of the will of God. God is not in that. You know, I also wanted to talk about... I, I, the title of my message was The Truth About 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. But it was, the, the, the subtitle was His Church, His Order, and Your Church Attendance. And I only have a few minutes we're talking about church attendance. But a church attendance is more than you just attending a church. The word attendance is to act in attendance. To the act of attending. That's one of the words for attendance. The act of attending. But attending is to take care of. 
minister to, devote one service to. Attending, attend, when I say give attendance, it's your church attendance. Not only you coming, but what are you allowing the Holy Spirit to operate through you to do? Because you're getting the services. You're coming to teach. You're coming to learn. And the Holy Spirit is providing you a service. And you're getting all this service. But now, and I'm going to tell you this. This is as much for you as it is for me. I'm, I, you know, if you don't want to, I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to myself. If you want the Spirit of God wants to minister to you, that's fine. But when it comes down to me, you say, so, so, okay. God is bigger. God's purpose, I want you to write that. God's purpose is bigger than your struggle. And it's, big, and it's greater than your fear. It is bigger than your struggle and it's greater than your fear. See, when, when we talk about not only, remember I told you, not only gives you access to the service of God, but also to function in the services, these both go together. First, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. And we're going we're gonna to end here. But the word stir up, I want you to write it down because we're going to talk about stir up the gift. The, the gift is the Holy Ghost. It's just let the Holy Spirit do what He's going to do. Let Him just sit down and let the Holy Ghost do. And, I, and, I, and the thing is, if you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, and, and this is another subject, but if, you don't, if you're not baptized with the Holy Ghost to pray, because I'm going to tell you the majority of this teaching, as I studied and prayed, but I, I just began to pray in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God, just me personally, on my end, it's like, for me, he says, Ricky, I'm greater than your struggle. And I'm bigger than your fear. He said, and, and, and you've got to understand something about stir up. And we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 1 in these last few minutes. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Either God is God or He is not. And that's for me. Either God is God or He is not God. Either you're in the right place or you're not. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about the doctrine. Either you have the right doctrine or you don't. But if you have the right doctrine, which we profess we have the right doctrine, then the Holy Spirit is all behind that. So the power of the Holy Ghost should be operating in our lives, in, uh, in every area of our lives. So, First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 2, chapter 1, sorry. Chapter 1? Yep, chapter 1. Starting at verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm just, I'm, I skip grace, mercy, and peace. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in your grandmother Eloas and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The word stir up means to rekindle, revive the spark of. To rekindle and revive the spark of. I'm going to minister to you about this word rekindle and revive. And the, the word rekindle means to excite, to stir up, rouse, R-O-U-S-E, rouse anew. I like the word rouse. Rouse anew means to bring out of a state of sleep, to bring out of a state of unconsciousness, to bring out of a state of inactivity, to bring out of a state 
of I like this fancied security. Fancies unreal. Unreal security. So you think you're secure in doing your own things it's outside of the commitment of God? That's a fancied security. And God wants you to bring, come bring you out of a fancy apathy and depression. So again, the word rouse means to bring out of a state of sleep. To bring out of a state of unconsciousness. To bring out of a state of inactivity. Fancied security. Uh, apathy and depression. You know that Elijah had to come out of that state. He had to stir up the gift of God. He had to stir up the gift of God. He was in a state of depression. And he had to stir up the gift of God. You know what God told him? It's so beautiful that God didn't deal with his issue. He did not deal with his issue. He did not tell him, I'm going to take care. He did tell him, I'm going to take care of, uh, of Jezebel, but not through you. He said, the work you're going to do is going to take care of your issue. The work you're going to do is going to take care of your issue. So what he did, he said, I need you to go anoint so-and-so king over Israel. And I need you to go anoint this person, prophet, in your stead. He told her, I need you to go do these things. And what this person is going to do, fails to do, this one is going to do. And what this person fails to do, the other one's going to do. And Jezebel is going to be taken care of, but that's not your issue. That's my issue. He said, I need you to do what I called you to do. So come out of your cave. He said, come out of your cave. Come out of your, arise out of your sleep. That's what I used, uh, Zechariah. He says, I was one awakened out of a sleep. He goes, I was, and I want you to go to Zechariah chapter, Zechariah chapter 4. But, it, but the thing about it, he told uh, um, Elijah about Elisha. He said, go anoint him in your stead. And I, and I heard this other minister, you know that Elisha, when he went to go anoint him, it wasn't like, I'm going to anoint you and you're going to be there because I'm talking about two generations now. The generation that were the elders that we are now and the next generation that are coming. You know that he sat under Elijah's ministry for probably 40 years? Wow. And at the very end, you know what the power of, of his receiving was him continuing. Elijah's continuing. You know that Elijah, when, when, if you read the scriptures, Elijah, when, when, when Jezebel told him what he told him, you know that Elijah had a servant already? He had a servant. You know what it says about that servant? That he left his servant and went and the servant stayed and the servant didn't follow him. The servant should have stayed with Elijah. Because why didn't God say, he had a servant. Why didn't he say, go get your servant and anoint him prophet in your stead? Because he didn't continue. See, there's one thing to continue with your... And I'm not talking, and I'm, I'm not talking about elders that just downright blatant sin and live in any way they want to. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about, you're going to see frailties in people. I like what Minister Martin says to people and new members. When you come into a church, you come into where, where people are. And sometimes people can bring mess. They're just sometimes, that's what we're here for. A church is there to minister to those people. Not to kick them out because they're messy. And that's what our pastor was talking about last week about restoration. Restoring. He, our ministry is about a heart of restoring because the Holy Spirit is here doing a work. And that Holy Spirit is not just, not just okay, you're not, you're, you're, you just did this, you're done, forget it. I'm not, but no, it talks about continuing. God has a, a, a requirement for the elder as He does for the, for the one that's coming right after them. And it's the same one. Are you going to continue with Me? Jesus said that of His disciples. 
He said, you are the ones that have continued me, continued with me through my tribulations. You mean Jesus had tribulations? Jesus had struggles? Of course He did. He just did not. He overcame them all. He did the will of the Father. He did the will of the Father. He had struggles as a man in His humanity. And I'm not talking about living in sin. Don't go and say that Jesus struggled with fornication and adultery. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there were struggles in His humanity. But these people continued with Him. There's something about... Even when He says about Judas, but He did not continue with us. Even when He talks about Antichrist teachers, He said if they were of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out from us to show that they were not all of us. So you've got to understand. Going back, and we're going to read in the last minute. Let's read Zechariah chapter 4. And the angel that talked with me again came again and waked me as a man that wakened out of the sleep and said unto me, What seekest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold. I, uh, I looked in that candlestick all of gold. The candlestick, of course, it, 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 it does talk about symbolizing the Jewish theocracy, the, the, the system of the Jews. But overall, it symbolizes the church as the light of the world. It signifies the church, the golden candlestick. But, but pure gold, it, it, it said this, it's pure in doctrine, pure in practice, precious and indestructible. The doctrine in the Holy Ghost, that's an indestructible. Staying with the doctrine, being filled with the Spirit of God. So we'll go back to Zechariah in these last few seconds. And said unto me, verse 2, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes of the seven lamps which were upon the top thereof and two olive trees by it one upon the right side of the bow and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked to me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zebarabbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth a headstone thereof with shouting, saying, crying, grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. I, I enjoy that because I'm going to leave you with that. Is that this is not the work of man. Anything you hear this month, and I'm out of time, this is not the work of man. When my pastor founded this, Pastor Forrest P. Hill, Jr., he did this by the Spirit of God. And what he did, he just started studying the Scriptures and being taught of other men. There came a time that there were certain men that he just could not be taught of anymore because of their doctrine. Because they didn't stay with the doctrine of the Apostles. And he recognized that because of the anointing in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. He recognized that and he studied the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that we do 
if it's outside, I don't care who they are. I don't care if a pastor tells you. I don't care if one of the ministers tell you. If it's outside of the doctrine of God, that's the doctrine of the apostles, given to those apostles of the Lamb and the Apostle Paul, because he has the doctrine, of, he was given the doctrine for the Gentiles. All of that, if it doesn't come out of that, then you don't have a doctrine. You have an Antichrist teaching. And I encourage you to listen this month. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.